0: whole family and pray these things in jesus name Amen. thanks hubert good morning everyone again it's great to see everybody and uh it's great to be coming down for a landing here in hebrews we are in chapter 13 towards the end and um, I don't know how many sermons, it's maybe 60, I don't know, maybe we've been in here a year, or maybe a little bit less, maybe more, I don't know, sort of lose track. But for those of you that don't know, we, you know, and there's nothing wrong with topical messages, but we very rarely do topical messages, other, other than those times where it's needed. Um, and we teach verse by verse through the scriptures. And so this protects uh, you guys from all my little pet peeves. And all the things I want to preach about every week, the same thing every week. Um, And it keeps us committed to not only to the truth of the word of God, but to the reliance of the word of God for all of life. And so we don't I don't like to skip over portions of Scripture, even though sometimes they can be a little bit, uh, I would say, non maybe not as great as application as some passages do, But these are all super, super important topics, and one of the topics we're going to talk about that's incredibly important in Hebrews, which we haven't talked about thus yet, really, is leadership. What is leadership as it relates to the church? Um, What does it mean to obey leaders? Why do we need to obey leaders? Do we need to obey all leaders? And so we are going to take this little small portion from chapter 13, two or three verses today, uh, and because these are little sort of uh, tidbits of encouragement, tidbits of information, tidbits of reminders, doctrines. And so it's sort of the wrap up for the writer in chapter 13. And so he's just got done explaining in a nutshell for 13 chapters how supreme Christ is over all other, not only prophets and people and Things, but also methods and, and religions and uh, systems of sacrifice. But it's all fulfilled in Christ. And us humans who are creatures of habit, who love our religion, you know, they were having a difficult time getting rid of that Jewish system. I mean, that's what they grew up in. That's what they were ingrained in. It can't even really explain it to us. You know, almost like saying, well, imagine all of a sudden, you know, we're going to leave America and go live in a completely different culture, you know, a different system. It's a, that's how different it was uh, for them. And so now as he's about to leave them, we see the heart of this pastor. He is somebody that loves his congregation and he's somebody that wants them above all to follow Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be in chapter 13, and we're going to go to verses 17, 18, and 19. I'm going to read those down. So verse 17, very simply, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So he's saying, obey these people that one day are going to have to speak about you to God. Okay, that's a scary thing for both of us. <laughs> but let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. And so now he says, Pray for us. Meaning, pray for us too, you know, not just your leaders there, but put us. We're also your, your leaders. You know, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things, meaning you know what? We're, we're worth your prayer. You're not going to waste your prayer on us. We have a real desire to serve God. So we, we really want your prayers. Help us to, to uh, be able to help the Lord as best as we can in all things. And he says in 19, I urge you all the more to do this so that I may be restored to you the sooner. And so, you know, we'll talk about, the, we'll talk about that. But that's not going to be the focus today. The, the focus is going to be, like I said, obeying and submitting to leadership. We're going to try to flesh that out because, number one, uh, most Christians in the churches in the pews today or in the seats today, they have a general understanding of leadership in the church. Um, And they sort of say, yeah, you know, there's not really much at stake. Steak, I guess you could say because we could always leave and go to another church, right? So it's like we, we understand church leadership. We do it. All I know that if I stop liking the leadership, I'm leaving, right? That's sort of the, the American sort of mentality of, of Christianity. Not saying that's how we are, of course, um, but how everybody else is out there. And so uh, it, it's, it's, it's not a difficult thing, but it is sort of confusing because we have several uh, denominations in Christianity And the Bible leaves us a sort of signpost or pattern on leadership, but the Bible doesn't get super uh, liturgical or legalistic or here's what you must do in your worship services. They give us big broad strokes. And they also do the same with leadership. They give us broad strokes about the leadership of the church, how we're to relate to them. But it doesn't talk about, you know, Pastor Appreciation Month in the scriptures. Uh, it doesn't talk about the little nuances of, of, of that relationship between a pastor and a le- or a leader and someone in the, in the church. And why? Because, well, again, there's some churches where the pastor can know everything about everybody in their church. There's other churches that are so big that some pastors can't even know more than, uh, you know, a few handful of people maybe you know, that we're there. So it's hard to sort of give a, when in the beginning, so that's hard to sort of give a blanket, well, here's how you do and here's how you relate. What we do know is that every single person in a church is accountable to God and God has put people in place so that way he can speak through, model and instruct through the word but by the guidance of the people that he has given for that task. And so this is incredibly important. As what we just read about in the Old Testament is a very good example, an extreme example of not listening to leadership. Okay? And so what did we see that when Hubert read it? We see that Samuel, Okay, he was the prophet of God, who God used, to raise up the very first king of Israel, which was Saul. And Saul had warned Israel, listen, you really shouldn't want a king. You know, they're going to rule over you. They're going to do all this crazy. You know, we want a king like the other nations. Well, God is your king. No, we want a human. We want somebody big and strong and handsome that we can rally around. Well, he's going to take you know, a lot of your money. He's going to take your property. He's going to you know, put your sons and daughters into his service. Oh, we don't care. We want them. So they raise up Saul, and Saul goes out on one of his first few commissions, and he messes up. He messes up because he didn't listen to Samuel. Now you may be saying, well, wait a minute, Pat, we just read that God spoke to Saul. Well, he did. He said, listen, Samuel, here's what I want you to tell Saul. So Saul didn't speak with God. He listened to Samuel and disobeyed. What did he do? Well, Patty did good. He went and he defeated the Amalekites. But what did God say? God said, Wipe everything out. Wipe it all out. You know, one time I caught my son candy. Actually, we had a bunch of candy from the Kempermans last night. We had to deal with this because my son came home with your whole entire pinata, by the way, like (laughs) a thing of candy like this. You know, and the going rule in my house is that anytime candy comes in, I get a 10th of all of it. We have a tithing process. And so number one, I get all the Reese's peanut butter cups, anything with peanut butter in it, I get. And I told my son last night, look, you could have two pieces tonight and that's it. And so this didn't happen last night at another time. uh, You know, he had his two pieces and uh, I went back upstairs. Because I have my office downstairs and my, my, my man cave is downstairs. So I come back upstairs and I catch him with his hand in the cabinet. where the, And he pulls out. He goes, Dad, I was getting you a Reese's. He hands me a Reese's. I'm like, is that what you were doing? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, thanks. I you know, took it. But that's sort of what Saul did. You know, He's like, don't leave anything. And Saul's like, well, I'm going to take the king. He left the king Agag. He left him alive why did he want him alive well he wanted bragging rights look i have i have the king no but i want to show everybody how powerful the lord is because i took the king right same with the best of the oxen the best of the sheep oh it was it was to sacrifice to you god i I wanted all them for you you know and samuel said no you don't understand how god works (laughs) god is a very specific detailed god and when he says this you do that and so he uses people to communicate his word to other people. That's what we have to understand. The way that God created his uh, his whole um, this this whole system. I, I think it was Aaron who prayed this morning or said something about kingdom work through kingdom people. Right? It's God who uses our hands and feet through the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and do things. God uses mankind and he uses um, structures inside of this, uh, of this culture of mankind to be able to orchestrate and bring forth his will. You can agree with that, right? So he also has his word that's very, not, not, under, not only difficult to understand, but it's also very difficult to obey sometimes, right? And so we need to have structure, And just like a company, right? For those of you that work in a business or in a company, or maybe you own a business or a company, what would happen if only for one or two days you had no leadership? It would be a mess. Is the company leader the most important person in the company? Well, maybe from a business perspective, but not from a value perspective, right? Everybody's equal as a human being. But that company has chosen one person to take responsibility and accountability for that position. Same in families. If we don't have leadership in our families, children, as a matter of fact, I mean, this isn't my uh, insights. I mean, this is, you know, people that study sociology and all these other things say that, you know, that lack of leadership in the home is the number one reason for crime and, and all this Um, oppression, and all these other things. Leadership is important, but it also is very dangerous. And God knows that, because power is not wrong. Leaders having influence and authority isn't wrong. But it's very wrong when it's abused, or it's manipulated, or it's used to be able to uh, get the benefit of the person that's here. OK, and so I want to talk a little bit about what to look for uh, in, in a leader. But the, the one thing that we have to do is realize <clears throat> when you go to your job and your boss says to you, you need to do this. You and your mind are going, oh, I don't want to. You know, maybe you say, I don't want to do this for him because it's not my job or anything like that. Or maybe you're saying, yes, I'm going to do it for my boss because I want to get that raise and I'll do it. But if he comes to you and says, hey, you need to do all this extra work and you've got to do it for the good of the company, you'd be like, well, right, of course, you know, the good of the company, extra work, not getting paid. But that's ultimately what church is about, right? Because we don't get paid in money here, right? But I can say to you as your leader, listen, for the good of the kingdom, my, my instruction would be to do this, Okay. And you could look at me, and, and you should look at me and say, and not me, just any church leader, and say, this person is doing their best to speak on behalf of the scriptures and on God and what he's or she is giving me in terms of advice. And so you, you don't carte blanche go to leadership and just say, oh, you are a pastor, you are, you are the elder, and I'm going to bow down and do everything that you say. That's dangerous. But if you do have certain, uh, components there, I'm telling you that Christ, the head of the company is telling you to give that leader the benefit of the doubt. And this is, has nothing to do with anything here because you guys from, as it relates to me, have just, you know, made this incredibly, uh, easy and a blessing for me to lead you. Um, because we just have such a spirit filled, uh, christ-centered church and so it's very easy uh, for me to say all this stuff because you guys are already doing it but it won't always be that way there may be other leaders that come in there may be things that you may be struggling with it it, you know in another church whatever like what does this actually mean well he's talking about obedience but he's talking about obedience and submission unto christ okay not unto the specific leader this is what we got involved in. In the you know, at the time of the Reformation, one of the great things that came out of the Reformation was the um, equality in terms of the value of all Christian workers, service, Christian individuals. There's no hierarchy in the Bible. There's no well, you're more spiritual because you're a pastor than the person who's out there you know working as a you know as an accountant or as a teacher or as a as a stay-at-home mom you're more spiritual that's that's really what a lot of people perceive it to be but the bible says no we are all on equal footing all of us are equally gifted equally important you can't say the eye is more important than the ear or the mouth is more important than the feet they all work together And so this is something that we have to understand that going out of the gate, we are obeying and submitting unto Christ, not to that specific, I'm sorry, not to that specific leader. It's unto him. And so, but why does God want this? Why does he want us? Obviously, the practical things are there, but the character of God demands leadership within his creation. Why? Because God is a God of order. God doesn't do things illogically. God doesn't break the rules. He doesn't say one plus one is going to be three for a minute. And then tomorrow it's going to go back to be two. Right? He doesn't do those things. He works within the structure of the creation that he made. And so he wants order. He wants order in his creation. So there's four areas of government that the Bible addresses in terms of this order. We have obviously the civil government, which is the government that's ordained by God, that's to go out and bear the sword, maintain the law that God has put into place, and that He's put on all of our hearts, that moral law. That's what the law, law enforcement. The civil government is put there for. Okay, so we have civil government. Do we need leaders in civil government? Yes. We have church government, which is what we're talking about. Put that aside for a second. We have the pastors. We have leaders. we We have different forms of church government. We're going to talk about that. And then we have family government in the Bible. Who's the leader of the family? Who's most valuable in the family? The father, right? Joking but that's what we think. When people hear, "Oh, the father's the leader." Oh, "Whoa, whoa wait, stop everything. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. It's submission to God. Wives submit unto your husbands, husbands lay your lives down for the Lord, Ephesians 5:22, but 5:21 says what? Submit to one another. Before all the other ones come on. So, it's an equal submission, but it's played out differently. But that's in the family. And then the fourth form of government is self-government. And without self-government, I think one of the founders of our country said, without religion, morality, and self-government of that morality, this country will crumble. I believe it was Thomas Jefferson who said that. Because our whole entire society depends upon this thing right in here. Our moral compass. Okay, The heart. So we need to govern our heart. Now what's the common denominator here? God's word. Because the civil government, church, family, and self are not autonomous. They cannot make rules on their own that contradict God's rules. So we have God over all. And that's why if I go to... You're home today, and I say, can I go into your fridge? And you're like, I guess. And I walk in there, and I open it up, and I say, you have a bottle of Coke in there. I'm like, yeah. Well, that has high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're tearing your body down. Get rid of it. You're not honoring your body. Okay, Pastor Pat, I have to submit and obey to you. I'll get rid of the soda. Is that how it works? So you'd say, Pat, get your butt out of my house and worry about the church. (laughs) How about if the government came in here? Cop came in here and said, oh, listen, um, let me hear what you're talking about. Don't say Jesus, just say him. He's not allowed to do that. However, I could come to your house and have a nice time and I could say to you, you know, I was at your house and uh, you drank a gallon of wine. <laughs> I don't think that's good. But listen, I'm your pastor. The Bible says stay away from drunkenness. And I'm just giving you some spiritual guidance, my brother. And I'm, I'm speaking into your family. Right. I'm speaking into the government. I'm speaking into the church. See, the government can come and speak into the church. Hey, guys, you need to make sure on Sunday you got so much traffic out here that you're causing problems. Can you help us out? That's the government's job. But they can't come in here and change our service times. So with that said, leadership in the church is the same way. I can't bind your conscience on things spiritually. I can give you advice spiritually and encouragement. But as soon as I start telling you, if you do this, you're not saved. Or if you do that, you're incurring God's judgment. And if you do that, that's binding the conscience. Now, I may say to you, and I do it all the time, let me read the scripture to you, okay? The Bible says, you know, um, that marriage should be, the marriage bed should be held in honor. And what you're doing is not doing that. But I love you and I'm here for you. I want to help you. you know, let's, let's work through this. That's the pastor. The pastor doesn't cross the line in. So you have to make sure that your pastor, whether you come here or anywhere else, that you feel that healthy balance that this man, man, is trying to reflect Christ. And the reason he's a man is because Christ was a man and it's Christ in the church. And the symbol there is what the bride and the groom. Right. And so God doesn't mean anything. Ladies, you guys are m- probably much better speakers, preachers than we could ever be. But for some reason, this is what God wants, because that's the binary pattern of his creation. And that's how he's orchestrated. it. And so we have to make sure that we don't cross over those lines. And that's what's the—that's where the Bible comes in, because we all use God's truth as our foundation for speaking into the other form of, of to the other spheres of government. And that's when a society really thrives. But when a society crosses those lines, and the state starts trying to control the church, and the church starts trying to control the state, and the church starts trying to control the family. You know, there was a movement called the shepherding movement. I don't know if you ever remember that, which took biblical principles and basically said, you have to do everything that your shepherd says. So at our church, we don't call it pastoring. We call it shepherding. And, and, and basically, when you're under a shepherd, you have to, if you're my, if you're one of my sheep and I'm your shepherd, I know everything about your life. I control your life. I know what you're eating. I know what you're drinking. You have to come to me and ask me about. And literally, this was a form disguised as discipleship. Now, I'm not saying that that's the extreme, but there are mixtures of that. okay, and that's fine. But the danger is when you have the right leader and then they start to change. And so that's where you guys have to come in for the leader. See, it says here, pray for us. We're sure that we have a good conscience, right? In other words, he's bringing and implying here that I'm not doing this for the wrong motives. I got the right motives here. Pray for me, you know. So when a pastor starts to get the wrong motives or they start to get, uh, sometimes it's not like they're out like being, you know, the evil genius. I'm going to get trick everybody. It's just like, hey, I want to build the kingdom. And so I have to really get more forceful. And it's not going the way I want, so it's not going to work because I'm the guy with the vision. I'm the, I'm the leader. I, I, God's speaking to me. No, that's not how it works. You see, the way that God has it, just like in the Old Testament where you had like this sort of uh, tension of power between the three forms of government. We have it in our, in our government in America, right? Legislative, the executive, and the judicial branch. It's dynamic tension there, you know. That's, that's like pulling back and forth. And so this dynamic tension comes in the form of church government where you have the congregation of believers who is not just taking everything the pastor does and says as, as, as the word of God at all. Hopefully you don't do that at all, but I'm being exaggerating here. You're listening to what they say, but then you're being like in Acts 17 where Paul went to Berea. And the Bereans did what? They searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. And that's what you guys have to do. That's what we have to do. That's what I have to do. Because I'm accountable to leaders as well. But I'm always listening to what they say. And I'll correct them. You guys always have an a open door policy with me. for Please. I, I make a lot of mistakes up here. I say a lot of things wrong. And I give times wrong for everything. So if I tell you something's happening at a certain time, don't take my word for it. Check the website. You need to keep me accountable. And that's why our form of government is, I believe, the closest that we could get to emulating the, from, the, from the totality of Scripture. And our form of government here is, do we have leaders? Yes, we have elders and deacons. And we have a senior pastor who's just sort of a leader among equals. And as a matter of fact, my, my philosophy is that I depend greatly on the other leaders to make sure that I'm not sitting here doing something or saying something wrong or going in the wrong direction. And as soon as they say it in the gut shaft, I hear it. You know, even right now, like, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll internalize it. Like, we're trying to think of, well, we've got two more sermons in Hebrews. Where are we going next? You know, well, I got my idea. This is what this church needs, right? I can do that very easily. But I'll say to myself, you know, everybody, tell me, if you've got a book that you like, just feed me it. You know, let me know. I'm not, don't get mad at me if I don't preach it. But I'll go to the elders and, I'll, or, and the deacons. I'll say, what do you guys want me to do? Here's what I'm thinking. What do you want me to do? And that's just my personal safety thing. But you have to be careful when a pastor starts to get off course. And you've got to confront him or confront the leaders, And you've got to do that. And know that they're, they make mistakes and they do that. But that's, that's not the, the norm. The norm should be that you're bent, you're you're sort of you'll lean towards what the pastor's saying. You'll give him the grace. You'll give him the uh, the chance. And so that's really what the meaning of obey is. It means to, in this sense here, in this word, it means to be induced to believe. Okay. It means um, to sort of give the benefit of the doubt unto obedience. You follow what I'm saying. So there's a relationship that we must have with elders, deacons, and church members, okay? And we have to have this give and take. We have to have this sort of um, participatory relationship when it comes to this because you have to believe in the person and you have to believe that that pastor at that pulpit or in that church loves you, loves you like Jesus said. Is this person doing it for himself? And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of self in, 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 in my pastorate. It's a fight all the time, right? But there's a, it's very easy to get taken off and make it about something else. There's where the red flags come, and that's where you say, well, let's try to pray this through it and deal with it. Not just jumping off and bailing out to another church, because there's always problems at that other place too. And so I can say a lot about that. You can listen online online. A couple months ago, we did a member uh, two topical messages, one on church membership and the other one on the importance of coming to church. And, and I talked a lot about that there, too. So we have here obey the leaders and the same word obey is like. Um, uh, well, actually, you know, I'm going to hold off on that. This this um, I wanted to talk about uh, the fact that Jesus in Ephesians chapter four. And I forgot to tell you this, so. Let's go just stick this back about 10 minutes. Um, He talks about he gave some apostles, some prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the ministry. So what this is so interesting, because this is when Jesus, right? Was it say he he, to each one grace was given and toward according to the measure of Christ gifts, where as he ascended, he gave he gave gifts to men. And he gave some gifts as apostles, teachers, pastors. And so the so the leadership of the church is are gifts from God. Right? It's hard to say up here speaking that. I'm not trying to say I'm a gift from God, right? A lot of people think they're a gift from God. I don't mean it that way. I mean forget Pat and the person. Think of the, the office. It's a gift from God to, to keep us guided, and it's a structure. And the picture is when a king goes out to fight his enemy and he defeats his enemy, he takes all the booty, he takes all the goods and all the expensive stuff and he goes back to his kingdom and he distributes these gifts unto the people. And that's what a king would do. So Jesus isn't going up distributing us monetary gifts. He's given us spiritual gifts, right? All of us have spiritual gifts, but he's given us gifts also for these offices, uh, I should say, for lack of a better way to say it, categories of of leaders in the church as gifts and so again how much more right you got God who gave us the gift of eternal life he gave us Jesus Christ he gave us our life he gave us our church he gave us our freedom to worship we have to make sure that we understand that the people that God has put in front of us to lead us Or who God wants in front of you to lead you at that moment. So, what do you need to learn from it? Some of you may move on. Some of you may stay. Some of you may go plant churches. You may move. You may relocate. No matter what it is that you do, you got to constantly keep these things in mind because what you want to do is you want to be plugged in and you want to have an you want to have a a clear path, an open conduit between you and the Lord. And it's not going to be easy. We have a good, we've had a great time here, right? Four years, I've, I've, we've had literally just amazing work of the Lord, all this great stuff. But I know before that, this church had a lot of difficulties. right? And God brought you through. Okay, So he knows the possibilities. He knows the potential and the problem. But we have to keep moving forward. The church, the local church, this is God's army, his kingdom army. Everything God does, he does, it, he does it through the church, his people. Not the building, but he does his people. He uses everything. God has got a million things going on. But for the record, he wants to know that God has taken those, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise with the gospel. And those people were led. Everyone in the Bible that we look at was led, especially Jesus. Right? Remember when the centurion came? And said, hey, uh, uh, my, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, let's go. I'll heal him. He goes, no, you don't, you don't need to come to my house. Because I'm a man. I understand how authority works, the centurion said. He goes, I'm a man under authority, too. If I tell someone to go, he goes. If I tell someone to stay, he stays. You are just like that, Jesus. All you have to do is say the word. Call, it up, call to your father, and it'll be done. And Jesus was like, wow, you have faith, man. You're no joke. All right, it's done. <laughs> Save me a trip. And that's sort of, you know, that's, that's just an, an amazing thing that our Heavenly Father, the Son of God, came. Let's put it this way. He came in all power and in the fullness of God, and He was under authority. You see, not wanting to be under authority is part of our sinful nature. It is. It's got, especially you guys and girls out there that have these strong personalities, it's hard. I'm one of them. You know, it only took me, I've saved 23 years. It's only taken me like 22 years, right? Because what it feels like. It's like, I feel like I'm still learning this because it's a daily battle. We've got, to, we've got to die to self and we've got to surrender unto God. And so as it relates to this church, you know that I personally, for me, if, I don't, if you don't know this, I'm a, it's an open door. I love to meet with you. I want to talk with you. I want to hear from you. And if it's something that has to do with this church and the leadership and something you need to say, and you feel the Lord is, you've prayed about it, at least pray about it, at least once on the way into the meeting, you know, like Nehemiah. Lord, just be with me. Please help me. Pat, I think you're messing everything up. I want to, we're getting you out of here. defrocked. No, But anyway, you come to me and you talk. Okay, because this is our church. This is not my church, or Kevin's church, or Wayne, or Hubert, or anyone else, or any future pastor. This is Jesus Christ's church. And for some reason, he loves this area because he keeps resurrecting this church and he's pumping life into this church. He's growing this church. Where do we fit into it? I don't know. But be ready, be submitted unto Christ and be ready for who he brings and who he puts in front of you. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Submit. Yes, we're going to give an account for your soul. You know, and we want that to be with joy. We want that to be, yes, Lord, you know. Uh, Debbie did it. He was great. She did this. She did that. That's great. That's joyful. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Jeremiah. Oh, oh Lord. Oh, this is grief. This is grieving me, Lord. I got to talk to you about Jeremiah. I know. So keep that in mind when I come to you and say, I got to talk to you about something. Right. How are you doing here? How are you doing there? What's going on? Are you OK? Yeah. Well, I got to give an account for your soul and I care about you. I want to know if you're all right. That's the sort of relationship that I go for. I'm not going to be on top of you. We're not going to be on top of you. We're not going to call you if you miss. Uh, unless you miss for a while, then I'm going to run into you somewhere. Um, and, you know, i mean, out front of your house. I just happen to be driving by. You know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. But other than that, this is, you know, I'm looking to you for encouragement. I'm looking to you for, uh, for the same thing. So let's do it together. Okay. And so let's put Christ in, in the front of that lead. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for being the the chief shepherd of the church, God, and for being our leader, Lord. But not only just through the word, but through your example of laying your life down at the cross. And God, as we partake in the Lord's, in in, in this, this, uh, I I would say, I don't want to say ritual, Lord, I want to say sacrament, God, this sacred thing that you've given us to look back on your death, but to also look forward, Lord, to what you're doing. Empower us, Lord, as we, as we clean our mind, our conscience right now to come before you. Just cleanse us, Lord, and prepare us to partake in this meal. And may it strengthen us. May your grace strengthen in us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So um, before I ask uh, uh, Lenny and Hubert to come up, um, I just want to... There's two things with the Lord's Supper. Obviously, we, we want to tell everybody to... Oh, examine yourself. The Bible says to do that. You know, if anyone eats of this bread in the wrong manner, with the wrong heart. And again, we could talk all about that. I just want you to know that this is a sacred thing before the Lord. And because God's given us this command, it's spiritual. If it didn't mean anything and it was just a memorial, why would we have to examine our heart? Why would some get sick when they do it with the wrong intentions? So just really think about this is this is a, a representation of what Christ did, yes, but what should have been done to you. That's what we deserved. Broken body poured out blood. Okay? There's no remission of sins without the spilling of blood. Jesus' blood, that the covenant, the new covenant, is in his blood, and it's unbreakable. And so we are celebrating that right now. When we receive Christ spiritually here, we we drink the partake of the bread and the wine, we are getting strengthened, but we are celebrating this victory. And you know what else we're doing? We're announcing, because right now, the powers that be are surrounding this place spiritually. There is a spiritual hierarchy, spiritual wickedness, right? That's going on 24-7. But I can't help but think when they see this done that it has to make them just aggravated and remind them that the battle has been won. We are announcing to them publicly that Jesus has defeated sin, death, and evil. And it's only a matter of time until the Holy Spirit finishes his work, Christ returns, and this world becomes new. And so let's think about that as we partake Together, so I'd like to ask Lenny and uh, and Hubert to come on up, and Mary Beth. Oh, I'm here, uh, to stay where she's at, and um, once they pass out everything, uh, and Mary Beth finishes playing, then I'll come up here and we'll partake together for both. Mm-hmm.